Kedushin, Daf, Ayin, So we're in the middle of discussing uh, what exactly the borders of Bavel are. And the reason why we're so interested about the, or, the, the borders of Bavel because we know that uh, Bavel has the best Yichus, all because when Ezra brought the, the, the Jews back up to Eretz Yisrael, he wanted to be able to supervise the Psulim and not leave them unattended in Bavel. So he brought up all the Psulim, which means, as the Gemara tells us, that he left, it like, he left Bavel like super fine flour. So therefore, Bavel has the best Yichus. So we want to know exactly locations. Remember, we've got the Pras, the Pras and, 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 and the Tukas River going on the two sides. And we've been talking about how far up they go, how far down they go. So we're a couple lines down here on uh, top line, actually. The end of the top line, I am based on the top How far does Bavel go on the other side? So now we're talking about to the west. How far west does it go? So what's the reason you're asking? Evidently, there was the status of Biram, which actually was on the other side. It was west of the Euphrates River. So he wanted to know if it's technically outside the river. So then what's the... What 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 is the status of it? So he said, "Don't ask me. Actually, the best people of Pompadisa take wives from Biram. So remember, Pompadisa is always like the golden the golden standard for Yichus. So if the people from Pompadisa are taking their wives from Biram, then clearly we see that Biram actually is okay. So what we're seeing here is that it's not a perfect thing. If it's between the rivers, then you're good. Here we're actually saying it's on the west, and it's still it's still okay. So evidently." Evidently, there are going to be a little bit of exceptions. Okay, continues the Gemara. In the same way, we're having all these technical issues about where up the river, down, upstream, downstream, west, west and east. The same thing we're talking about for Yochsin, Kamachosin, Gitin. So it's in regard to Gitin. So what does it mean in regard to Gitin? Remember, the first mission on Gitin was that when a person brings a get to Eretz Yisrael, so if he brings it from abroad, there was a din, you have to say, remember the reasons, because we're scared that the Baal might claim he didn't write it, and we want to make sure that the the Edim are Matzah Lekaima, or we're concerned it wasn't written in Lishma. And the Gemara says that Babel has the same status as Eretz Yisrael in regards to Gitin. So therefore, it's the, relevant, again, over there, to know what exactly the borders, what defines Babel. So Rab, Rab Papa is saying the same dispute for Yosin that we're having over here applies for Gitin as well. Everybody agrees it's until the second willow swamp passed the bridge. Okay, so evidently the Gemara knows exactly where the where, where where these are, and Rashi just explains a little bit that there were these two willow swamps that were down that were a little bit downstream of the bridge, and one was further down than the other. So that's the point that we're saying it's not the bridge, as we mentioned uh, yesterday, that that was the northern part. Here it's not the bridge; it's a little bit closer in, um, a little bit closer closer south. Says the Gemara. The, the town of Chavel Yama is the Tcheles of Babel. So what does it mean it's the Tcheles? It's a way of saying it's the best, like the best, you know, it's like the pride, the pride of Babel. And amongst uh, the, this region of Chavel Yama, Shunva and Guvia are the best. If you know my Afti Tzitzar, is also really good. So this is all, you know, as we said, Ezra can leave it perfect, but then think, even everything that's going to be left perfect can get messed up. There would be a few Future story of intermarriage or why not, and it would bring down the Yichas. Our Papa says, Today there are Kusim who have mixed in with these places. Kusim have married in, and therefore this esteemed Yichas status can be lost. So as the Gemara below, the Kusim are not mixed in. It's a Hudubai Minao. The Kusi wanted a wife from there, below Yavale. They actually refused it. So there was bad rumors. Sometimes, you know, people spread misinf- bad information because of something that, that, that they thought occurred when it didn't actually occur. So here it, it seems like they thought 
that the Kusim makes him, when in reality, all that happens is the Kusim asks for a wife. What exactly is this place? It's, it's, it's by the, Euphrates, the Euphrates River near the town of Borsif. Says the Gemara story, there was a person who said to Rabbanan, I am from the town of Shot Mishot. Shot Mishot is good. It's between the rivers. What does that mean between the rivers? What is the status between the rivers? So the Rishonim here explain that Taisa says that between the rivers doesn't mean between the, the, the Tigris and the Euphrates River because the, that we said that's we know is good. So it must be there's a different river that the Gemara is talking about. It's not exactly clear, maybe perhaps towards the bottom. Of Babel. So he said it's between the rivers. What is the status of between the rivers? It's treated like the Gola, it's treated like Bombadisa for Yichos. So it is good. Where is this location between the rivers? And going up on the Euphrates River. Says the Gemara, but then you're going to have a contradiction. What did Rav Yochanan say? He said, that If you want to know how far up on the Euphrates River, where the, the, the Bavel goes, it's only until the Gizma cross. Remember, we had yesterday three opinions, Rav Shimon, Rabbi Yochan, about how far up we go. So he only said until the Gizma crossing. So how could he say that the things that go up from Edikra, which is further up than the Gizma crossing, is also good? So we're talking about here in the northern part of the Euphrates River. And evidently yesterday, Rabbi Yochan was saying it's only until the crossing. Until, and now he's talking about a town that's further up and saying that's also good. Amar Nafko, there's a strip that sticks out. So basically we're saying, the, the, the location that we said yesterday by the crossing, that's, that, that's the basic one. But then there's a little bit of strip, not the whole surrounding area, but a little bit of a strip that goes up for, further north, and that has good yichas, and that was this town here that we're referring to of Yidikra. All right, says the Gemara, more locations here. They're just like the Gola, just like Pompadisa for Yosin. Those are good towns. Don't listen to Ravika. He only is biased because it was a Yavama who felt him, meaning to say that he had a, a brother's wife who was following him to Yibam, and evidently he was interested in marrying her, and she was from one of these places. So, of course, he's going to go around saying that such a place is good. But in regard to us, objectively, maybe it's not really good. So, I'm leaving Ravika. Vika said to Abai, what, you think I'm just saying something in my own opinion? So Rabchanano, I'm quoting something Rabchanano said. So like, what do you want from me? So they went and they asked Rabchanano, are just as pure, just like the Gola, just like the town of Pompadisa when it comes to Yilson. Okay, so very good. We're saying that Chazan and Ahavad are good. However, says the Gemara, not everybody agrees that these towns of Chazan and Ahavad are good. So we're talking here about the Melech Ashur. Ashur, this is still in the first place of Mikdash. He when he when he um, took the ten tribes and he settled them outside of Eretz Israel, right? He exiled them. So where did he settle them? One of the places was Chalan Chabar, which is on the, the river of Gozan in the cities of Mede. So we ident- identify what these places are. So those are the towns that we're talking about. That's Hamdan and the towns around it. That the town of Mades is, uh, is actually Nahavar and the surrounding towns. What do we mean the surrounding towns? So anyways, before we get to the Machlaikas, before we get there, first, we're just going to bring out so far at this point, that um, this is where the ten tribes were settled. Now that doesn't mean the Biyichas was bad. But Amar Biyochanan said about all these places which were mentioned in the Pasuk, Biyochanan said, you know why the Pasuk is telling you everywhere where they were? Kul and Lifsal is because it made all of their Yichas possible. Why? Because what happened is, the saddest part about the exile of the ten tribes was not just that they left 
their homeland of Eretz Yisrael. The hardest part is that they all intermarry. And the hardest part is that their daughters married guy. Now, it's Machlekes. What exactly happens when a Jewish girl marries, marries, mar- marries a guy? Is it the Pshad? It's a Mamzer, but even if it's not a Mamzer, it's a puzzle for sure. So, Akupanim, we see that Rav Abba, who said that Chaz and Avad were places that were, that were, that, that Rav Abba was saying that they were good. And um, it must be that there's a machlok. Abba's listing them as places that were no good, right? He's defining where, son, um, where King Ashra put them. And he's saying that, uh, that they're cool in the soul. So that disagrees with what, with what we said before. Rab was saying that they are good. So we, get, so we have a machlokas about these towns, Chaos and Havad, whether or not they are good. All right. So now, now that we understand, Rav Yochanan was saying the Pasuk listed where they were to show you that it's no good, and anything that, which was listed in that list is no good. What was it? And then Mushchi. That was one of the places we just said. So Chazadak Mushchi, Hanu Mushkani. We think that Mushchi and Mushkani are the same place. As He said Mushkani is pure, that it is good. And now we're saying that Azar Sashvatim are there and that it's no good. So the Mar says you have to say there are different places. Mushki Luchud, Mushkani Luchud. These are two different places. All right. So now that we mentioned some of these towns, we're going to show other Pesachim in Tanakh that relate to these towns. So here we have a, a vision, Daniel had a vision of different beasts that represented uh, different kingdoms. Bavel, Persia, Greece, Rome. So we're talking about the, um, and specifically this one, which was like a, a bear. And, and, the, the, and, and, and the point of the bear is the Persians. So what the Pasuk says, with Tlas Ilin, it has three ribs, Bipuma, in its mouth, pinching out between its teeth. So it's like eating, it's like, it's eating these ribs. So what is this idea? The ribs are different countries. And the idea is that, it, like, uh, the Persian Empire sometimes swallows other, other, others, like, small regions into it. And sometimes they're, in other words, incorporated into it, and other times not. So what are these three things that the Pasuk is referring to? Halzon, Hadaya, and Nisiban. Shepam and Balat, and sometimes Persian Empire swallows them. Shepam and Paltas, and there are times when it, when it spits it out. So now the Pasuk continues. And then there was another beast, which was like a bear. And I would just explain in the way that Persia is like a bear. They eat and drink like bears. They're fat like bears. They're hairy like bears. And they are restless, just like the bear is. And the Gemara continues where Rabbi Ami would see a Persian writing, he would say, Amar that's a wandering bear. Okay, it says the Gemara now, now that we just mentioned that the bear is a reference to Persia, because we're talking about the towns and now the three the ribs in its mouth. And then we talk about the, the nature, the temperament of Persia being like a bear. So now Amar Rabbi Levi, Rabbi says to Levi, Harini Parsaim, show me Persian. So evidently Levi was very good at and, and making like mishalim. So he would show you something which resembled something that we were talking about. So he said, show me something in the world now that is like a Persian. They're like the, the troops of David. Ashi says they were exceptionally mighty and the Persians as well were very strong. Show me the Chavarin. So these are people who lived near Persia. They were very destructive. Often uh, the Gemara dealt with them as they didn't, weren't good to the Jews. They're like destructive angels. It's only what Yishmaelim are like. They're like the demons that hang out in the bathrooms. Show me what are like. They resemble angels. It's fine. Now the Gemara says, and this is really once we mentioned Rebbe's conversation with Levi, with Levi, so now we discuss when Rebbe died. So Rebbe's death is described in detail in Ksubis. It's a huge Indian for Klal Yisrael, the end, you know, the Tanon, Bechule. But evidently, right at the end, he had a sense of nevuah. It's true that the idea is that when a person is on their deathbed, they're able to see it with a certain clairvoyance, a certain clarity. 
whether it's a Ruach HaKodesh, exactly, it's unclear how it works, but here the Gemara shares many things that Rebbe, that Rebbe said when he was on his death. He said, There's a town in Babel called Hamanya. This town, Kula Amonohi, it's actually filled up with non-Jews who are from the town of Amon. The Gemara will tell us why that matters. Coming up, there's a town in Babel called Mezgaria, Kula Mamzerah. It's all full of Mamzerah. And the point is, you should know that Rebbe was saying you shouldn't marry them. Birka Ikabavav is down in Bavav called Birka Shneachamiyesh. There are two brothers there, Shemachlun Shrasim Zabazu. They trade rides with one another. Birsa the Sazi Ikabavav is a town called Birsa the Sazi. Yom Sarum Acharim Akum. And today those people have strayed from, from, from the Derech. And that's why he's saying, that's why it's called Birsa the Satya, because they have strayed away from the proper path. He's explaining to you that that's the significance of that name. And Rabbi explains what the shot, what happened that they strayed from the path here, what exactly, what, what's, the, what's the situation. And that one job is the pond that had all the fish, it overflowed. So it was a tremendous opportunity for people who wouldn't care about Shabbos to make a lot of money because they could go grab all the fish now when, no, when there's no competition. So these people went and they fished on the pond on Shabbos, which is obviously totally awesome. So because they did that, Rabbi Achal, son of Ravoshi, excommunicated them. And once they became excommunicated, they gave up all hope on, on doing Teshuvah, and then they just went off the dark. So it was very sad. These were, these were evidently, once they were sinners and they excommunicated, it put, pushed them off even further. It says in my Akra Akma, you can bubble this down, bubble called Akra the Akma. And in that town, Adabra Hava Yesh is a person, Adabra Hava. You shouldn't say that's not the Amora necessarily. Hayom Avram. And today he is sitting in the lap of Avram, which means that he is receiving a Bersmila here today. Not so clear, you know, what, who, what the point of knowing that the, this Rav Adabra Hava is. Now we get one of the most interesting statements. Hayom Nola reviewed the Bavavel. Today, Rabbi says there's someone who was born in Bavel named Rav Yudah. We learned about Rav Yudah a few days ago from Disa, his greatness, Fakula. So now, why is that so significant? So the Quran tells us there's a concept. Omar Mar, Kishemis Rabbi Akiva Nola Rabbi. At the time of Rabbi death, Rabbi was born. Kishemis Rabbi Nola Rabbi Yudah. When Rabbi died, Rabbi Yudah was born. Kishemis Rabbi Yudah Nola Rava. Rabbi Yudah dies, Rava was born. Kishemis Rava Nola Ravashi. Rava died, Ravashi was born. So let's just how few names that is. Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi, Rabbi Yehuda, Rava, Ravashi. So that is amazing because it takes you from the middle of the Tanam all the way to the end of the Amaram of five names. And the point is that there's this idea that HaKadosh Baruch Hu orchestrates that tzaddik to tzaddik. So with the passing of one tzaddik is born another tzaddik. And the Gemara explains to Fascinating. One tzaddik doesn't pass from the world until another tzaddik like him is created. The sun rises and the sun will set. So the point that we're saying is that there's an overlap, just a little bit, as the sun will rise first, and only then will the sun set. So before Tzadik dies, another Tzadik will, will, will be born. And the Gemara shows you precedent to this, before even the Tanam. Before the son of Eli was extinguished. Eli was, was the Kohen Gadol and a big Navi. Before he died, that's already the son from Shmuel. The, the, the Navi Shmuel started, um, started to be born. So that was the whole thing. Shmuel got his Nevuah right at the end of Eli. Actually, Shmuel started having the Nevuah and he wasn't aware what in the world was going on. Like He couldn't understand his experience. And Eli had to explain it to him, what it was that it was happening, that he was becoming a Navi. And the, 
<coughs> the Gemara now tells us the, the significance of the other statement that Homania was populated by the Ammoni people. The Pazik says Hashem decreed about the Jewish people that those surrounding him should be those who, who are their enemies. But if you from now, an example of that is, is the way that, is the, way that the, the Ammonim that we're mentioning in Homania act towards the Jews in Pumnar. There's a lot of persecution there. So basically, the idea is that past enemies of the Jewish people continued to persecute them. So Ammon. Amon, these were people who had persecuted the Jews in Eretz Yisrael. And it was even them who brought Nebuchadnezzar in to start hurting the Jews in Eretz Yisrael. And then the Jews go to Bavel. And then what does Hashem make? That the Amonim are right there around them. So it's a certain Siva Hashem Liakov, that it's Siva of Tzarov, that their enemies are, continue to persecute them even in Gaulus. Okay, so now we look at a Pasuk in, in, in Yechaskol and we're going to speak about how it might relate to some of our Yichas discussions. The Pasuk says, uh, Pasuk here is in Yechezkel, just to understand, it's, it's uh, right around the Chorban of the first, the, of the, the, the Chorban Bayez Rishon. It was when I prophesied, I prophesied, Yechezkel says, that someone named Plat Yahu Ben Yahu had died. I threw myself down on my face and I cried for Omar and I said, Ah, Hashem Elohim, whoa, Hashem. So it sounds like the Navi is upset about this death of Plat Yahu. So Rav and Shmuel, Rav and Shmuel argue about why he was upset about the death. One said it's because Platyo was so good. One was said because he was so bad. And even though he was so bad, he died a peaceful death. So there's two ways to understand why he could be upset. He could be upset because he was just a tzaddik and now we're missing him. Or he could be upset because he was so bad and still he died a peaceful death. So Mandam Latova, the one that said he was righteous. Why was he righteous? The governor of Meishan, uh, was the son-in-law of Nebuchadnezzar. So the, Shalachle, the governor here of Meshon, sent to Nebuchadnezzar, his father-in-law, you took off so many captives to Bavel, right? You took so many Jews to Bavel as your slaves. So Shalachle, you didn't send any of, any of them to me. He was like complaining to his father-in-law, how come you took all of them for yourself? You didn't send me any Jews. So Nebuchadnezzar wanted to send some people from the Jewish community to serve the people of Meshon, and evidently that would have been really bad because it, it would be like more embarrassing. First, you're taken captive to Muchanetzar, to Baba. And then you go down and you're sent to his son in law, like, you know, down in, down in Mesha. So when he heard this, we'll stay by you. But our slaves, we'll send to Mesha. So, so they, they sent their slaves as opposed to themselves. So, you know, he was really playing on Muchanetzar's arrogance. What he's saying is, oh, you need Chashva slaves. You can't send the Jews. You'll send our slaves. So he saved the Jews from being enslaved to the son in law down in Meshon. And evidently, therefore, he was a good person. That's what the Navi was saying. Did such a good deed for the Jews. He should end up dying so young, half half the days of his life. So that's the interpretation that he was upset because Palatio was good. The one that said he was actually wicked. The Pazik says, says, The wind lifted me up and I was brought to the east gate of the base of Ekdash. Hapona came up, which faces east. I saw there were 25 men. The Arab so but so come I saw amongst them I saw someone Yasmiel ben Azor and Palatiel ben Yaya. So I saw this person, Sarayam, they were the leaders of the people. And what were these twenty-five men doing? They brought me in to the inner courtyard by the Hegel, right between the Ulam and the Mizbeach. Are these twenty-five people? Their backs are to the base of Mikdash. 
and they're facing east, meaning they've turned their backs on the base of Mikdash and they're facing towards the Mizbech. So there's something extra in this passage. It says that their faces are east. Certainly, I know their backs are to the west, so which is which is where the base of Mikdash is. Why does it say their backs are to Hashem? So we learn a shocking, repulsive thing. They, they defecated, they bared themselves and they defecated towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So this is what, something very evil that according to this interpretation that Palatiyah was doing. That's why Yechazka was saying, Misha Asa, Haraz Yisrael, someone who would do such a wicked thing. He could die peacefully, he should have died a horrible death. Says the Gemara, if you want to know which Amor has held which way, again, we have two interpretations drastically different about the character here. Of um, a platio. So it said it was Rav and Shmuel. We didn't know which one said which. So the Gemara says, Tis ta'yem. Let's prove the Shmuel Dhamma the Rav. That it was Shmuel who said that he was wicked. We said that Mushkini is, is good Yichas. It's like the Gola for Yosef. So Mishon Lochashala. So what does that mean? It sounds like this town of Mishon. The Chachamim were not concerned for the people. Nothing about the slaves or However, the Kohanim who lived there weren't careful about the Grusha. So anyways, the point we're saying is that overall we see there was no concern for slaves who were there. So if Platio had sent slaves to Mishan, right, that was the, according to the opinion that, that he was righteous. The reason he was righteous is because instead of the Jews going to Mishan, Platio had orchestrated that if Uchanazer was to send their slaves. So that means that Mishan shouldn't be good because there were slaves who came. So if there were slaves who came, and we're, why was why were we concerned for that town? How could Shmuel say that that Moshkini is good? Moshkini is in Mishan territory. It must be Shmuel's of the opinion that that whole story of him doing good, be sending slaves, never occurred. Says no. Maybe Shmuel really is of the opinion that he was the one who did good and he sent slaves. Aye, that then there are slaves who are there. Says the Gemara Shmuel. That means Shmuel follows his reasoning. If someone gives up. He declares his slave ownerless. He gives up his, his ownership over him. Then what happens is the slave is automatically a free person. He loses his identity of a slave. He doesn't need to get a get of, of, of emancipation. In other words, other opinions say that you got to give a get. If you don't give a get, then he's still a slave. And if you marry a Jewish girl, it would be bad. Shmuel holds no. That as soon as the master gives up hope on him, and automatically at that point, He's totally free, regular yet. Shinamar, as it says in the Pasukal, Evid Ishmik, that's cast of every slave of a man who was purchased with money. So, what does it mean that was purchased by a man? Evid Ish, beloved Isha, what only a man can own a slave and not a woman? It's not true. Of a man means that if the master has control over him, he's subject that he can, you know, he's like a man controlling him, that's a slave. So, once he's freed, because these slaves were sent and they became ownerless, so they lost their identity as slaves. And by the time they got to Meshon, they weren't slaves anymore. Even if they would have married the Jewish girls, it would not have been a problem. Okay. Says the Gemara, what did we learn before? We said that Ezra removed all the, all the bad people from, from Babel before he went to Eretz Yisrael. And that means basically that the people of Babel, you could marry and assume they have good yichos, but people in other lands, you cannot marry them and just assume they have good yichos. You have to look into it. So the Gemara says, Amar Amar Shmuel, this, that there's a distinction that you have to look into girls from other places, but not Babel. So different Remer, it's only Remer. Our Mishnah follows Remer. All lands, there's a Chazaka that they're good. So even though there certainly are issues, but, but, but you go after the majority. The majority is fine, good enough. And you could assume any land, when you marry a girl, you don't have, you have to look into her yichos. You could assume it's good. A Meymar was mata Ravuna to marry a woman from Mechoza. 
Bechoza is a town which is outside the pure places of Bavel. So he was matter to marry, to marry, to marry. What are you coming from, from what we just said? The Rav Yudah is a different Ramir. The Armish was only Ramir. That all lands are assumed to be good. So if so, that's why you're not looking into the girl. However, Rav Ashi said, from Kahanazi Shiva, they didn't say this over the name of Shmuel. So there's a lot of people that don't have that tradition that Shmuel said that all lands are assumed to be good, and according to that, you certainly should look into the girl. But Amnemar was not swayed by this. He didn't accept it. He'd heard otherwise. He'd heard from him that Shmuel did say that all lands have a chazaka, that in fact they are good. So now the Gemara just finishes off one last thing for the day about what happens to the Mamzerim and Asinim in the time of Mashiach. So it seems that the issue is, are they going to be separated, identified, and ostracized, or the opposite? Once they become mixed in with Kali Israel, so they're going to be, they're purified in that sense, and they're going to remain. Mamzerim will be pure in the world, in the, in when Mashiach comes. In other words, they, they, once they married in, they married in. Mayor Omer ain't they will not be pure. The opposite. We're going to see that, um, that they're going to be singled out and identified. Rabbi Yossi said to Rabbi I'll throw tar water on you and you'll become purified. So he's talking about Mashiach coming and you're going to be in Israel. So evidently that means purification from Zerus and Israel. No, the Pasuk finishes off. You'll be purified from your impurity and defilements. It means not Mamzerus. So, it's all about sin that you're going to be purified, not about the identity of these people. It says, But then at the end of the Pasuk, it adds, I will purify you. So those are extra words. That means even from Amzeris, I will purify you. So if not, it would be redundant. Says the Gemara. There's some of the Rameir who says Mamzerim will not be purified. It says in the Pasuk, in Zechariah, that, that the Mamzer will be in Ashdod. So that means that they're going to be separated, identified, and then they'll have their own community where they can marry one another. So because why? Because they won't be able to marry everyone else. What's the meaning of the Pasuk? A Mamzer will live in Ashdod. Says the Gemara, the meaning is, The house of Klaesra will live securely even in Ashdod, where they had once been treated like strangers. That's what it means, Mamzer. Mamzer means not the legal term, but just like rejection, like a mamzer usually is. So that's what it means. Vyashav, they'll live securely. Mamzer, the place where they had previously been like outsiders in the town of Ashdod. But it's not saying the mamzerim legally will become purified. How do we pass in Amar Vyuda, Amar Shmuel, Halakha, Kireb, Yes, we pass in like Rabbi Yossi, that they, <coughs> that they will become pure. Amar Vyosi, if you love Amar Vyosi, Allah Vyosi, if not for the fact that we pass in Vyosi, have also Elio, Mabik Minan Sabri, Sabri, Kolan, Elio would have come and removed us uh, from the things that hold us back, like neck shackles. He would have removed them, and he would have removed the Mamzerim from Klaid. So, but Lamaiso, we're saying that the Allah is like Rabbi Yossi, and uh, therefore they're just going to become purified. They're purified when in the time that Mashiach comes.